Hi, I'm Lippy. And I'm Grumpy. Together we're Lippy and Grumpy Do Podcasting. In this episode, Paul Ritter, Not Much Love for Branston Smooth, Extreme E, an exclusive sailing club and a random topic generator. Now Lippy, we're recording this just after hearing the very sad news of the passing of Paul Ritter. Such, such sad news. At such a young age as well. Uh, yeah, well, he's younger than me, which is yeah, is upsetting in its own. Uh, but he just just brought so much joy to Friday Night Dinner, mm. which I think is possibly one of the best series that's been on television for a long while. Yeah, definitely. But also to some serious roles. I've not watched not watched Chernobyl. He was amazing in that as well. Actually, you don't think it's the same person, to be honest, because obviously the characters are so different. Well, that was his genius, really. You mm. see him in other programmes. He was on a... I can't remember what programme it was. A BBC One series, I think, where he played a BBC video technician. And he was brilliant. And he was different, as mm. you say, from the dad in Friday Night Dinners, who I always thought was the sanest one in that household, quite <laughs> frankly. <laughs> Which really is saying something. So very sad to hear of Damn. his passing. Uh, but what a legacy is left again. Mm. So we've had a bit of feedback from various people over Ooh. the week. Very long weekend. Nice long Easter weekend. Lovely so Orange Marshall 2 got in touch and said, Happy Easter. Great podcast as ever. So thank you, Orange Marshall thank 2. That, that makes our day. It really does, to be honest, because we just do it for us. We like doing it. But it's nice to hear that other people like listening to it as well. <laughs> yes, we do do it for a laugh. But I have to say, I have submitted it to a 24-hour podcast radio station in London. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so we'll see what comes from that. Um, So we might get a bit of a shout-out from them. Anyway, Orange Marshall 2 says, I was going to work experience at the film studio in London that Branston used to film part of their advert for Branston Smooth. Great fun, he says. Seem to remember two ladies sitting the ta- sitting taking all of the bits out, <laughs> which is a bit of a worry. Uh, he then goes on to say, had I been there the previous week, Kylie Minogue was there filming part of her spinning around official music video. Mm. So that was a bit of a shame, really. I, yeah. I, would, I think most people would rather have seen Kylie over a definitely smooth branston and if you may recall he hurt his foot a couple of weeks ago so the boots coming off uh well it would have been yesterday if you listened oh, to this on friday well hopefully so, it all ho- came off well well hopefully it didn't come off with his foot <laughs> <laughs> should be a bit uh, a bit awkward and i had a very long message from the screaming tomato where he uh, copied me in on a economist article from earlier this year talking about german companies mm. and it seems that Germany has a very high proportion of family-run companies. I mean, even BMW is still essentially a family-run company. The company that set it up is still still on the board. And we talked about Adidas and Aldi a couple of weeks ago. And apparently the the splitting and the um, conflict within these companies is quite common. Uh, quite often, mm. it's at the point where it gets passed down. So it talks about succession. So it was oh, a, okay. it was a quite a highbrow article, but it was quite interesting. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, being an economist, it's behind a paywall, so oh, yeah. I can give a link, but you can only read the first paragraph. But um, th- thank you for that, Scribby Tomato. That was very interesting. And we had a rushed message from Davros, 
He's obviously up to some sort of master plan and uh, not a great deal of time. He agrees with us about the Branston Smooth. Good. Uh, another Ian Malcolm moment. Um, they didn't stop to think about whether they should. Yes. Too busy doing it. Yes. So. Uh, he then talks about Only Connect, which was a show that I caught a couple of weeks ago, got terribly confused with. And he says, did Grumpy come into the program at the latter semi-final stage? To be honest, I don't know, but it was quite late in the program, uh-huh. uh, where the difficulty is set to 11, presumably out of 10. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you know, in regards to what? <laughs> yeah, well, yes, just yes, beyond just comprehension. So Davros and Mrs. Davros regularly watch the program. And on a good week, we do actually figure out one of two of the connections. So he does recommend trying it again for the beginning of the next series, but yes. I, I think I'm going to stick with House of Games. Just go for so the just, easy I can understand it, yeah. You've worked all day. The last thing you want is to sit down and watch telly and it be more confusing than the work you've just been doing. Well, yeah, having been bamboozled all day by technology, they'll be bamboozled <laughs> by some people. It's just, just bonkers, really. His third tip is to wean off demon offspring off chocolate that is by using x-lax what is that it's uh, a laxative in chocolate form oh yes i've not seen it for many many years i assume it still exists but uh, it has been the catalyst in many a practical joke yes over the years as you can imagine (laughs) yes exactly so uh, not not to be recommended see how that would go Yes, quite. Now, either last week or the week before, we covered the Ever Given, which mm. at that time was either wedged or just be released from the side of the Suez Canal. And there was a, a cracking article in the Telegraph about a yacht club, not saying club, yacht club, called the Southwest Shingles Yacht Club. <laughs> now, the club was formed in 1984 mm. by David Latchford, who was sailing his boat Backchat from Cowles to Paul. And he had a new auto helm. So presumably you set a course and it does the steering. Now, oh, I see. I was thinking, I don't know what an auto helm is. <laughs> yeah, I, a friend of mine did quite a lot of work on one for the Vendée Globe about 10 years ago. A really interesting mm-hmm. project. Uh, so computer controlled with various servers and, and what have you. So they're, they're quite um, sophisticated bits, bits of equipment. However, it was veering slightly off course for one reason or another. And he hit the Southwest Shingles boy head and did quite a lot of damage to the boat. I can imagine. They're solid, those things. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I've done quite a lot of dinghy sailing in um, Southampton Water. And a lot of the sailing is around those marks, Mm. or at least as a starter or finish line. And they really are massive, chunky bits of kit. You know, they're designed for tankers to go into them, not, uh, not relatively small boats. Anyway, so after the shame had subsided, he came up with the idea of naming a club after the boy. The way that it works is that when somebody has some sort of maritime disaster, obviously not fatal, um, then he invites them to join the club. <laughs> so the suggestion, the suggestion was that uh, the captain of the Ever Given was very shortly about to get an invitation. <laughs> so it's a club for people that can't sail, but... <laughs> Well, do anyway. no, not the, no, not the car we'll have sale. massive accidents. People that have had incidences. Mm. So top of the list is Tony Bullimore, who's had a number of uh, problems while sailing. 
and uh, it turned the boat upside down and had to be rescued by people in in the Southern Ocean, which was, I should think, fairly unpleasant, to mm. be honest. Uh, but also, surprisingly, Ben Ainsley, who is, you know, one of our greatest current sailors at yeah. the moment and and did, well, did better than uh, that I think was reported in the Admiral's Cup at the beginning of the year. Interesting. To be honest, sailing is one of those things where it's so hit and miss it doesn't matter how good at it you are if it's a bad wind day stuff can go wrong <laughs> absolutely well we had a, a week down at bosom many years ago and i think you did your rya level one mm. uh, and the wind was a bit flaky to put it mildly uh on one day i ended up getting the enterprise stuck in a sluice gate yes <laughs> and I had to be rescued uh, and then the following day when it was even windier went out and performed a series of perfectly timed manoeuvres so mm. it is a bit of luck of the draw but it is interesting a lot of people that sail and particularly smaller boats are very nervous when they start sailing um and then once they get back into the flow of it it's okay but a friend of mine who's a very accomplished sailor he said oh it's a bit of a love-hate thing i really enjoy it but i'm sort of terrified at the same time yeah which is- which is quite odd, but uh, I completely understand that. Anyway, I'll put a link to the Southwest Shingles Yacht Club uh, on our website. And uh, hopefully the captain of the Ever Given will get a, uh, get a get an invite soon. That should take his mind off uh, <laughs> off the disaster. Has he been named? I would imagine he probably has. Yeah, that's funny. Well, interestingly, I read an article. I can't think what it was in. might have been The Guardian, actually. Uh, where they were talking about why it happened. And it's not a matter of one thing. Oh, it's, no. it's a combination of many things. Mm. And apparently, according to the GPS tracking on the boat, it did a bit of a tank slapper going up the canal. Oh. So it was quite windy. So it looks like it sort of tried to correct the wind and gone too far and, and had to go back the other board. way. Yeah. yeah, so you've then got this sort of pendulum type, mm. pendulum type effect. And once so you're stuck in a bit of, the... bit of land or a bit of the bunker. Bunker? It's not a bunker, is it? It's a bank. Well, it's a bank. Side of the a bank. bit of a bank. Yes, you're screwed then. Well, when you've got 20,000 containers on board, I mean, these things are <laughs> just Monstrous. enormous. They take a mile to stop. So they're not we're not talking about a manoeuvrable rib here. Anyway, after the event in the series, I believe a similar thing happened in uh, Littlehampton as well. Yes, I heard about that. I don't think it was as hard to rectify. No, no, I think it may have made the local news and, mm. a, and a few weird news websites, but that's about it. Uh, the other thing I came across over the weekend, which was quite a surprise, was a, is a motor racing series called Extreme E. And a couple of weeks ago on Top Gear, which is not a program I religiously watch, but I just caught the end of it. They had Freddie Flintoff in one of these vehicles. Mm. And they're they're all electric. They look a little bit like uh, the Paris-Dakar cars of probably the 90s, where they're sort of squished versions of of road cars. So so they're all electric. The idea is that they're promoting climate change by taking these races to places where the climate has obviously been affected so deserts for example um some forests and things like that and i'm not completely convinced by the argument but i think there is some sort of clear up process and uh and some rectification that goes on but the fact that they're transporting this stuff albeit by ship which uses the the worst imaginable fuel yeah that aside it's an interesting technology so they charge the cars using hydrogen plants 
that create electricity from hydrogen, which in fact were developed at Dunsfold Park. Yes. And a friend, a friend of mine has a, a small shareholding with them, which is quite interesting. Um, but they seem to be going downwards rather than upwards at the moment. So they take the vehicles. This was in Saudi Arabia in the, in the desert. Oh, yeah. And they, they, they've got a course, some of which is a 45-degree downward slope oh, on sand. And on the first uh, qualifying run, two of the cars rolled over by digging in a wheel and then flipping them over. Nobody was hurt, fortunately. It would be quite terrifying. One of them was five rolls, which is... Uh, yeah, that that would concentrate the mind. Yeah, as I said. So what they do, the teams are mixed. So you have to have a male and a female driver. So I like that. and I saw the qualifying, but I didn't see the race. Uh, I haven't watched the race yet, so I must do that. Mm. So what they do, one one driver in does the circuit, comes in to the the pits, as it were, and then they swap over drivers and then do another one. Yeah. And so there's some very interesting names in there. So Jensen Button has a team. Yeah. which he's driving in. Uh, Lewis Hamilton has a team which he's not driving in. Oh. Nico Rosberg has a team as well, which he's again is not driving in. So lots lots of big names involved mm. in this, and it was really exciting. And I would imagine the race, so you've got three cars racing at the same time. Now, what you've got is gates. So you've got relatively small gates to go through, oh, no. and then you've got a massive amount of desert. Yeah. So the opportunity to overtake and cause utter mayhem reminds me a bit of ski across. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, it reminds me of some sort of bumper car, but ski across is exactly what I was picturing in my head. Exactly Which was the best thing they invented in skiing, I think, anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, snowball cross is good, Mm. but ski across is on another level. It's it's just superb. So, I mean, imagining something like that. So, we must get around to watching that before the next one comes up. Definitely. I think there's six or seven rounds throughout the year in various places. Interesting. So... One of them on the in the Arctic, which is interesting. Mm, that is quite cool, actually. Mm. Well, it would be very cool. God, you got to. That's a lot of different types of terrain to then train and learn to drive on. Like, if it snows here, I have panic attacks. I can't drive. <laughs> well, you're driving on ice, but you'd have the correct tires for it. True. So you probably have studied tires. Uh, but what was interesting is the difference in the temperature will have effect on the batteries. Mm. So it's a fairly limited number of miles you get out of it because mm. you are going full tilt a lot of the time. Yeah, definitely. It was interesting hearing Jensen Button talking about the difference between tarmac, which is very used to with lots of grip, and the sand, which has none. None. <laughs> yeah, basically. Just sucks you in, really, sand, doesn't it? Pretty much, which I think the second qualifying bout was a bit slower than the first one because of people going over, digging mm. in and going over. But Yeah, highly recommended that. Very good indeed. Interesting. I might try and give that a little watch over the weekend. Well, it was live on the iPlayer. And on I the iPlayer? On the iPlayer, yeah. yeah. It was live on there. And I think the race is, <laughs> is the on there. the way you said it. It's like on the, on the Google. On the, <laughs> on the iPlayer. It's on the iPlayer. Well, it's not on... Well, I suppose it is on iPlayer, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but also ITV as well had it. I think they played it live on whatever day the race was. Uh, we had a lift in restrictions in the UK... Yes. Last week, wasn't it? Last week, 29th, they got mildly changed. Mildly changed, Mm. sufficiently that three of us met in a garden on Thursday night. Got a bit tipsy. Got, yes, got a little carried away, let's put it that way. Although I didn't really suffer the next day, apart from just being a bit tired for being up until one o'clock in the morning, which Mm. is about three hours later than normal. (laughs) Yes, one of the three was very ill indeed, so I don't think we'll be repeating that anytime soon. 
No, maybe go a bit, bit milder next time. Well, possibly. But the next date, of course, is next week here, next week when the pub's open, allegedly. Yes. So, Exciting. Be Honestly, I know people that have, have taken next week off just for the pubs. That's quite sad. Yeah, my manager has got her nails, tan, hair, and like eyebrow waxing and eyelashes all being done on the Monday and then she's like and then on the Wednesday I'm spending the whole day in the pub garden I was like good for you well, I, hope the, I hope the weather's better than it's it's been the last couple of days she was saying her pub has a cover thankfully yes so but it, it was very cold today I went out for a walk at lunchtime mm. and we went within the you know space of three days from being warm enough to sit outside to snow yeah well I burn uh, on the Friday yeah yeah and then on the Sunday the Sunday it Sunday on Monday. Monday, Monday it was Monday snowy. It was snowy. So despite a four-day weekend, the only thing I did at the allotment was deliver some bamboo canes to the please take it away table, <laughs> which is very disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> Too much drinking, not enough gardening. Well, I, I don't know what it was. I just Sunday just, just felt, ugh, to be honest. So. Socialising takes it out of you, I've realised. Yes. Too well, much. that's why you're limited to one a, one a month. One a month. I know. It's going to have to be because I was shattered on Monday. I just wanted to sleep. Yeah. Had a movie day in the afternoon. Oh, very nice. Mm. Very nice. So any, any joy with my pyjama bottoms? I haven't started yet, as I said. Having a chill time at the moment. That's this weekend. They're, they're book, mentally booked in for this weekend. To ah, be honest, okay. it's... It's a rather long rip. It is, isn't it? It's not in a weird place. I don't think it'll be too hard to sew back up. Okay. But it is just going to have to be with white thread. I don't have tartan thread. And if I did, I don't (sighs) think I could get it to match. No, probably not. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, definitely not. Any news from house purchasing? Yes. Well, kind of. We've got our survey booked in for this house. So that's on Tuesday next week. And then... Oh no, that's on Monday next week. And then Tuesday next week is our home buyer's report for our new house. Excellent. Um, life insurance is almost done. Answered all of those lovely questions. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, yeah, but we're still at 41% according to the solicitors. And I don't really know what the next step is. I think it will probably jump. So when you get the surveys back and... Yeah. Um, I don't know what else are you the searches have been done did you say searches are done we need the we need our mortgage lender to do the survey on the new house okay because they do the valuation so I think that's the next thing but we haven't heard from them when they're going to go and do it so hopefully it's soon um but yeah once that's done then it's just contracts and they don't take too long really in the grand scheme no I guess things. guess not yeah. especially as the they're being done with being done independently So it's not like we're waiting on someone else to sign a contract before they want to sign a contract and all that rubbish. So, yeah, I think it's looking good for being in before the 30th of June, which is the aim. Well, it's it's forging ahead with some speed, I have to say. Mm. I just hope it it carries on at that momentum. And I've um, realised that our estate agents are so good. Like, compared to last time, it's actually ridiculous. So he... 
rang me yesterday to just give me an FYI that the home buyers report they had called up like the company that are doing it have called them and they've booked in a date and then about half an hour later I got all the email confirmations from the company that are doing it I was like how good is that he literally just picked up the phone and called me to let me know that they've organized it and that it's been booked in Hmm. he didn't need to do that because I would have got the confirmation anyway but he was like I just want to give you an update that's nice they're definitely a lot better than the last ones where you couldn't get hold of anyone and then when you could get hold of someone they didn't know who you were meant to be talking to and then eventually we got someone and they didn't really know what was going on so yes I think it's always a bit of a lottery with estate Mm. agents unfortunately yeah so I think the owner of the estate agents works there I think it's it's just one that's in the fleet area which is why it's better because he obviously keeps an eye on everyone and everything well absolutely i mean generally with most things smaller companies are more Mm. communicative definitely so we just got to hope that this house passes its survey and valuation yeah it should be fine (laughs) well it's relatively new isn't it so yeah hopefully there's nothing major. oh no i mean the house we're living in now to the Uh, mortgage approved yeah yeah, i mean it's it's new and i did a bit of gardening it looks garden looks a bit nicer oh but it always does when you do a bit we're of gonna do a deep clean this weekend get everything spick and spam hide a load of stuff in the car so it doesn't look cluttered well i've got my vaccination on sunday so i might be a bit dead oh, on gosh, the monday yeah. to let them in so we'll see how that yeah. goes <laughs> yeah yes we've got a zombie living here at the moment yeah Don't well let that worry you it's only me in and i was like he might not want to come in because he might think i have covid but i mean well, you know, it's the vaccination the that will have made me yeah. ill so yeah I might just say to him, I'll go sit in the garden and you can go yeah. walk around. It'll be interesting to see if the second vaccination is has the same side effects or less. Well, I had Pfizer and apparently the sec- if you didn't get any symptoms from the first one, which I didn't, you're more likely to get symptoms from the second one. Oh, interesting. Whereas if you had the symptoms from the first one you're less likely to get symptoms from the second one. Okay. But I know people that have had a mix of both, and I just think it's your immune system at the end of the day, isn't it? It's how your body reacts. So I'm praying I just get a sore arm again like last time because that was lovely. I had a bit of a headache, but that was nothing compared to (laughs) what some people had that I heard about. So Yes, some people have had, uh, well, full-on flu for Mm. two days and then gone. Yeah. Which is very strange. Mm. Yes. Well, we thought we'd do something a little different this week. We did. Yeah, so we've we've got a random conversation starter yes. website. Fun, fun, so fun. We, we're going to fire through a few of those and, and see, and, and tune up our improv skills. Oh, yeah, I, I love a bit of improv. The, yeah, well, this is the ideal way to do it, in my view. <laughs> so I'm going to start off with, what are some things that you should not say during a job interview? <laughs> What are things that you shouldn't say? There's a lot of things you shouldn't say. In a well, there's an interview. awful lot you definitely shouldn't say. Um, you, I have heard a very funny story, actually. Well, it's not that funny, but um, the interviewee, so the person that went for the job, started flirting with the interviewer halfway no. through. <laughs> saying, what were they thinking? Saying that they had nice eyes. Oh, God. Can't say that in an interview, can you? Well, <laughs> that's a very drastic tactic, mm. to be honest. Well, you're just going to, they're just going to get the wrong impression either way. They're going to think that you're not really interested in the actual job 
And secondly, you're trying to find different routes into it. Well, it is a, well, Monte Carlo or bust, isn't it, scenario? (laughs) Yeah, it's a little bit like the first Star Wars film, or the first one to be filmed, where they're they're trying to get that bomb down the exhaust hole on the Death Star. So you've got this massive great Death Star with a tiny little exhaust thing, and you've you've got to get it in there. And you're not doing it using any sort of technology. You're guessing, basically. (laughs) Which is my way of describing the Force. And somehow it's in there. The chances are you're never going to get it in there. And it's the same with that. Yeah, Mm. you might flirt and they go, oh, actually, not only are you the ideal candidate for this job, I'd like to marry you. But the chances of that, you've probably got more chance of winning the lottery, to be honest. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Or or getting the bomb down the exhaust pipe of the Death Star. So that is a very odd way. And I think, I don't think you can better... that example of what not to say in a job interview to be honest if you could choose to have any useless superpower what would you pick a useless useless useless. i would can it be useless but useful to me well possibly i would like to have hands that turned into things so you could have like that is quite useful to be honest well what would they turn into like a corkscrew so i could open a bottle of wine Oh, that'd be very useful, yeah. Or like a cheese grater, like a cheese knife, actually. I can just randomly go up and just cut cheese and eat it. That's pretty useless, but useful at the same time. Mm. Maybe your pinky. So I'd have one pinky as a bottle opener and one pinky as like an, that could turn into a knife. I think on that theme, actually, if, you had a, if I had a finger that I could extend as a ruler or a measuring tape. In terms of superpowers, that's fairly useless. Yeah. You're not going to save the world with that one, but you could measure it. Yeah. <laughs> which would be useful. That would be. I have considered having a tattoo on my finger. Oh. Millimetres. Well, it would be quite useful to, to measure bolts and things. But but, or, but after a while, surely it makes more sense just to measure your finger and then you know if it's like half a finger, then it's half of whatever well, it was. Well, no, like you need a little bit more precision than that. Yeah. To be honest, if you measure in miles, then yes, it'd be all right. But you know, bolts can be down to fractions of a centimeter. I guess, I guess. But yes, a measuring tape finger is a useless, useful. It, it is, super, isn't it? Superpower. Yes. Oh, this is an interesting one. What would you be doing if you were not here right now? Oh, if I wasn't podcasting. If you weren't podcasting, I would be asleep on the sofa. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what I did yesterday. I was shattered and I just fell asleep on the sofa <laughs> at like 5.30. It's great. Yes. I think I might be sat watching whatever game show's on mm. at this point. Is Pointless still on at this time? Not not sure. No. But, uh, yes. Certainly uh, certainly something that doesn't involve much uh, thought. Yes. Much, that of, way. much of nothing. Ah, this is an interesting one. What do you carry in your purse or wallet and i think this is things that are slightly odd rather than cards and money and things so per- can purse be like a handbag because i need a handbag let's, when i go let's go for uh, a handbag okay yeah. so the strange things i carry is um sun cream i usually have sun cream in my handbag which isn't that strange i don't think it's a bit of a granny mum thing to carry around but not that strange I was maybe another thing that I always have in my handbag is body tape 
That is weird. That is weird, isn't it? Is, is that for abducting people? No, no, no. It's for like sticking your clothes to your body. It's like double-sided tape. Why would you do that? Just for mishaps. It's the same as I have safety pins in there. Like, what uh, if I... Yes, yes safety yeah. pins, I understand. If I, like, bend over and something rips, I need to, like, stick it down or pin it together. So I have <laughs> stuff so like that. So you could stick it to yourself. That's interesting. Yes, not thought of that one. It's more for if it's, like, you're wearing a top and somehow it rips down the middle, then you can stick it onto yourself so it, it's not moving around and revealing anything. So I could have done that with my pyjamas, then. Just stuck them to my leg. Yeah. I mean, you would have been at home in your pyjamas, I'm hoping. Not necessarily. No? Okay. Not, no. I changed the battery on Wife of Grumpy's car yesterday in pyjamas. But it was very early in the morning. Oh, okay. But anyway, what do you carry? Anything strange? So, uh, funny enough, we had this conversation at the pub a while back where I went to pay and poured out a wallet, which is quite thick of stuff. Yes, it is. And, And my mate said... Well, you got in there, you don't need all of that. You only need one card. So I open it and I look, what I've got in here, I have a, a selection of cards for some reason, I don't know. I think I'm going to end up broken down somewhere and could need a massive amount of credit to get <laughs> to get home. So there, there's various cards. And, and also there's various cards, loyalty cards. Mm. So there's one for the garden centre and then I have one for... You know, the co-op and one for waitress and one for this although i have found an app on the phone where you can store them oh. but but it's not all doesn't always work so no, it works for waitress they're like qr code type ones rather than well no the barcode seems to well it works when you type it in co-op was the worst one but that's all been refitted so maybe it works there now uh, but some of the others works okay. So that did remove some of them. But things like the Brooklyn's membership card I keep in there and National Trust. Because the problem is I wouldn't think to go and get it. Before, yes. Yeah, I'd arrive there and go, because I normally have everything with me, mm. I don't, don't like think Like my Top Golf like card lives in my purse, but I haven't yes, been Top Golf in years. No, exactly. That's exactly the point. But you might suddenly decide to go there yeah. and then you'd arrive there without the card. So there's those. But I have also got... This credit card size tool, which has got, um, you can twist it and you can make screwdrivers out of it and things, which is quite useful. And it's got little spanners in it. So, I mean, it's really only bicycle size things, but that's that's quite useful. And then a St. John Ambulance card on resuscitation. (laughs) Just in case. Well, I I looked at it. If if I, my heart stopped beating Mm. and somebody came along and opened my wallet <clears throat> to find out some information, then pulled out the St. John card and went, oh, I've got some instructions here, and off they went. That would be quite useful. To be honest with you, I would be a bit disappointed if if I was found on the floor not breathing and the first place or the first thing someone did was go for my purse rather than call an ambulance. Yeah, I didn't say it was a rational thought <laughs> I had, but, <laughs> but that was that was my thinking. And I've also got in there a folded up uh, mask, in case I forget mine, or wife of Grumpy forgets hers, which is normally Is more likely. More likely. And then it seems to be stuffed full of receipts that I go through every now and then, look at them, go, well, have I kept that? And throw them away. Mm. Yes. So my wallet is stuffed full of things that probably aren't that useful. No. But my... That's the thing, you never know. You don't. Oh, here's a good one. What are your three must-have smartphone apps? My three must-have. Is this a dish, like, 
Not your like WhatsApp, obviously. Well, that would count as one, I think. That's like tech that comes on any phone, really. Okay, well, we'll discount WhatsApp. So, one of mine is our Philip Hughes home app. Yep, good choice. So, that controls all our lights. I like to do that from our phone. I obviously, this was a couple of years ago now. I had some friends staying over and they were staying downstairs. And I was upstairs, but they didn't know I could control the lights and they were being really annoying and loud. So I started turning the lights on and off and like bright red as well. And the next thing I hear is, "Uh, Laura, can you come downstairs? I think there's an issue. That was good. I enjoyed that. So very worth having Philips Hue light up. Just to annoy your friends. Yeah. Yeah. Another one I have is a very female one. I have a flow app. Tells me about my menstrual cycle, you know. Joke right, moving on. <laughs> it's useful though. Good to know. Not for you, but for me. It's good no, to know. definitely not for me. No. I don't really have a third one that I use. Like my banking apps, they're great. Well, they're sort of, yeah, sort of a given, really, aren't yeah. they? Solitaire. Yeah, solitaire. I play Solitaire a lot on my Solitaire's phone. That one. is definitely another app that I. Excellent. I can well, that's your three. That's, that's my three. your three then. So I would have Spotify. Oh, I use it on the TV more, to be honest, yeah. Oh, do you? I use these on my phone a lot. Audible. What's Audible? Talking books. I bet. Talking books. I use that a lot. And I think it would have to be eBay. Oh, interesting. If not for buying things, then for researching things. Yeah. Talking of eBay and talking of buying things, which we weren't, but I'm going to talk about this anyway. Yes. <laughs> so I, I have a bit of a problem with buying cars. Yes. And my aim, if I had enough money, which I think was another one of the questions on here, would be to have a museum of cars of the people. Mm. Now, James May took that title for TV series, so I've called it Fanfare for the Common Car, oh, which yes. is, is something that I've started and not progressed very far. <laughs> anyway, if I had the money and I had the space, I would have a museum full of ordinary cars. The next one on my list is a Fiat Panda. And what I would specifically like is the 4x4. So the original 4x4 Panda, loved by ski instructors all over the Mm. world. And I think I've talked about this a lot before in previous podcasts. So anyway, so Wife of Grumpy, for some unknown reason, was looking at cars in car and classic. I don't know why. And um, she said, oh, these have gone up quite a bit, haven't they? I went, yeah, I know. So we should have bought that one for 150 quid in Billingshurst that was a complete basket case. Which you'd never make your money back, quite frankly, but you would have had the joy of doing it, all the frustration. Well, you you would have. (laughs) I would have done, yeah. Um, But we are running out of space, has to be said. Mm. uh, Yeah, so either that or maybe a 2CV, but I think the prices here are ridiculous. So it would be a go to France and buy one one from a farmer. Well, not pinch one, buy one from a farmer. Anyway, we've digressed. (laughs) There's not that many, actually. They used to be. Not original 2CVs. Used to be loads, but that was. Many years ago. Right, should we have one more spin of the conversation roulette? Go on then. Let's see what it gives us. If you could live anywhere on Earth, where would you live? Do I have to work? Let's assume not. I would quite like to live in the Alps somewhere. Hmm. In like Chamonix, where in the summer it's still really nice and hot. In the winter it's really nice and cold and you can just kind of live halfway up a mountain and nowhere near anyone else but if you want to go into the town there is a town there i that's quite a good choice actually i'm not sure i can um i can disagree with that at Mm. all you can avoid the people that are annoying 
You can indeed. The only problem is you're then living in France. You've got to be around French people. <laughs> well, I didn't. I personally didn't have a problem with that at all. I quite like the French, and I quite like their attitude to life yes, as well. Yes, I do I like their say. attitude to life. Yeah. No, I I would agree with you there. Uh, somewhere where it's not too hot in the summer, mm. and I, I'm not too worried about how cold it is in the winter. But snow's fine. I like snow. Yeah, snow's. Or good. you could get a little. Is it a skidoo? Is that the snow one? Yes. Yeah, you could like zoom around on a skidoo. That would be quite cool, wouldn't it? Mm. Lots of wood yeah. fires. Lots of mulled wine on the balcony. Oh, wood fires are the new evil now. Oh, we're not allowed wood fires uh, anymore. Well, apparently the uh, what they give off when they burn is is pretty grotty. Get a gas one then. Well, (laughs) you can't win, basically. No. (laughs) Yes, though I like that. Yes, I I go for that too. Somewhere somewhere in sight of Mont Blanc. Mm, Yes. I think it would be good. I quite like northern Italy. As well, I've said, have yeah. been there a couple of times. That's that's quite a nice area. And the Italians, I love the Italians. They're uh, they're, they're survivors. Mm. Southern Italy is a bit warm for me. Um, it gets very also we hot notice, in southern Italy. It does get very hot, but also the roads as well are not quite so well maintained. Yeah, they're pretty bad here. But actually, roads that we drove on on the way back from Rome were um, pretty horrific, some mm. of them. Yes, so, yeah, good choice. So, Lippy, it's top tip time. Do it's you have a top, top tip? top tip time. Yeah, I do, actually. And it's it's a mixture Ooh, of... Oh, sorry, I'm going to stop. I think we ought to have a jingle. We, I've, I said this before. Well, you could organise that. I can't sing, though. This is the issue. No, but we're going to get DJ Finn to, Mix to us one, one together. But, yes, but he's so excited about his camper van, I don't think he's got time for, <laughs> for any. anything else. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to message him. We're going to get a jingle for the top tip. Excellent. Good. Anyway, yes, it's top tip time. And I have a top tip from the lippy brain. Oh, Semi. good. Those are the best. It's like I saw something and then I thought about it as a tip and it made me laugh. Yes. So my top tip, based on the fact that obviously on the 12th of April, which is only a few days away, uh, lots of people can have their hair cut. So... If you see someone that maybe is a bit angry or a bit upset or a bit of a slapped bum face, you know, the best thing to say to them is, oh, is it because of the haircut? But what if it is? Yeah. Or what if they've not had their haircut? Well, either you'll get a laugh or a punch in the face. Yes, I think it might be the latter. I just think it'll, I, it's the best time to do it, isn't it? Because everyone's getting their haircut. Well, mine still hasn't grown back from the scalp I had incident. a few weeks ago. Yeah, quite. <laughs> I just, in my head, I had this image of someone being a bit upset and someone going over and being like, oh, is it the hair? And then going, well, now it is. Yes, I've quite. been watching a lot of Friends recently as well, and I think uh, that's okay. like triggered. Yes. So top tip. Not sure that's to be recommended, that one. Give it a go and see what happens. Well, well, we'll see. I'm not booked in for any sort of haircut or no, nails I need or anything it, like that. But yeah, I'm waiting for it to calm down a bit first. I think I don't need it that badly. I think it's going to be a bit manic, mm. to be honest. So I have a fun fact. Yes. Well, I'm not sure it's fun actually. It's interesting fact. Mm. So it's from the Guinness Book of Records. Oh. So the first person to be charged with speeding was a gentleman called Walter Arnold. And he lived in Paddockwood in Kent, not far from where I was born. Yeah. And on the 28th of January, 1896, which is nowhere near where I, when I was born, 
before you make any comment about that. He was caught going four times the speed limit in his 19th century Benz. Damn! That's... The speed limit at the time was a mere two miles an hour. No! Yes. He was doing like <laughs> ten miles an hour. Yes. That's ridiculous. Yeah, he wasn't even doing crazy, ten, he was it? doing eight if it was four times. Uh, Yes. Yes, it would be eight. That's so funny. Imagine looking. Well, you do actually get told off for driving that slow. Uh, well, in certain places, yes. So the the policeman who issued the ticket chased him down on his bicycle. Would you believe? <laughs> so he must have been cycling. His little legs just going. Well, ten miles an hour is not. Actually, that's not that much. It's is not it? that fast. Yeah, if, I mean, you've got to catch up. It's a bit. So his fine was four pounds and seven shillings, which to me sounds like an awful lot of money for 1896. Mm. Well, I guess it's it's around ninety pound, isn't it these days? I've no idea. I've never been stopped for speed. Well, I have been stopped for speeding. I've never been prosecuted for speeding. They couldn't catch me. <laughs> Too fast. I myself haven't been caught speeding in a very long time but the last time i got caught the awareness course is like 90 pounds and i think oh, it's okay. this is similar to the fine amount and i've only ever been stopped actually physically stopped by a policeman once and that was they stopped me outside of the house oh <laughs> and he goes you, he was like oh if we end up waking your parents up they'll be very embarrassed i was like they're not in <laughs> well that's a good one yeah he was like oh <laughs> So the fine equivalent today, yes. roughly, would be £532. Damn! So that is oh, quite a... You wouldn't, you wouldn't speed if you were getting £500 fine, would you? Well, my advice would be to speed faster, because if the police have only got bicycles to catch you on, just drive faster than the bicycle. Yeah, they're not going to remember your number plate when they're trying no. to catch up with you, are they? Well, I don't think we had number plates in that early. Crazy. Well, that's an interesting question. I might have to look into Why that. Why did he stop? Just keep going. <laughs> Well, maybe he just stopped. Uh, yeah, coincidentally stopped rather than... Yeah, so if it. you look at... Um, so the veteran run in November from High Park, the speed of some of those is very slow. And those are of that era. How did he know he was going four times the speed limit? Well, here's a question. So they wouldn't have had radar guns. No. That's a really interesting question. I guess it just would have been obvious that he was doing four times the speed it, limit. Yeah, it would have been obvious he was going faster than the speed limit yeah because if you walk at a reasonable pace you do three miles an hour mm. <laughs> so if he was doing eight so in those days it was quicker to walk somewhere than it was yeah. to drive that's so funny i don't know why that well, the thing is they had a they had a i can't remember when it stopped but they used to have a man with a red flag that would walk in front of the vehicle <laughs> which is crazy really when you think about it they might as well have used a horse and carriage well yeah except that you had to clear up poo Oh, yeah, true. So if, true. You, if you look at um, pictures from the Victorian era, the streets are full of horse poo. Because mm. that's what they do. They eat some poo everywhere. all the time. Yeah, absolutely mm. everywhere. Oh, and the other thing to do with speed of cars is that back then, we thought that if you went above a certain speed, which was quite low, the body would just explode and all the bits would come out and that would be the end of you, which oh. is partly why there was such a low Speed low limit. speed limit. Well, he yeah. proved them wrong, didn't he? Well, he got to four miles, uh, eight, well, miles, eight miles an hour, hour and, and didn't explode. Uh, yeah, so I think that's worthy of some investigation. Definitely. So maybe I can slip in a car topic next week. Oh, no. <laughs> that's it for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. 
You can help spread Lippy and Grumpy's view on life by leaving a review on your favourite podcast platform. If you're not sure how to leave a review, or if you download from Spotify, there's some help at lippyandgrumpy.uk slash review. And if you would like to get in touch, email podcast at lippyandgrumpy.uk. So it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from him. Goodbye. Goodbye.